Vacation time is going to be coming, so uh, Exodus chapter number 12. We're going to begin reading in verse number 1. This morning I want to preach to you, when I see the blood, when I see the blood. Exodus chapter number 12, we're going to read 1 through 13, beginning there in Exodus. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be to you the beginning of the months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speaking unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month, then shall you take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the, for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count, shall make your count for the lamb. Verse number five, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out of the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month, and the, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take the blood and strike it on the two side doorposts and on the upper doorposts of the houses, wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in the night, roast with fire, unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not it raw, nor sodden, sodden it at all with water, but roast it with fire, his head with his legs, and with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning, that which remaineth it until the morning ye shall burn it with fire. Now look closely here, we're going to read down through verse 13, but 11 is our text for today. And thus saying, ye shall eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the house where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. May God add his blessing to his reading of his word. Let's pray. Our Father, we can't do this today without you, Lord. We ask you, Lord, today to come into this place. Lord, fill me with your spirit today. Empty me of myself, Lord. We may deliver your word this morning when I see the blood. We're thankful this morning for the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross of Calvary for us. Bless our time now in your word. We give you the honor, you the praise, and you the glory. Thank you, Lord, for our visitors here today. Lord, may they feel at home. Bless now in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. When I see the blood, you know, you know, the world does not want to hear about the blood. The blood today is, is uh, being removed from hymn books and from music. Some pastors or so-called pastors want to remove the blood from the sermons. You know, I don't like to hear songs or, that have been changed with the words about the blood. You know, some people say, uh, the blood was spilt on Calvary. Let me tell you something this morning. Spilling is an accident. The blood was not spilt on the cross of Calvary. The blood was shed on the cross of Calvary. Shedding, there was a purpose this morning. There was a purpose for it. But anytime you hear somebody say the blood was spilt, that's not right. 
But without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Without the shedding of blood, there would be no reason for Calvary. Without the shedding of blood, we would not have eternal security. Far too many people want to remove the blood from preaching and teachings. People don't want to sing about it. People don't want to read about it. I tell you what, there would be no reason for me or any other preacher to stand today in the pulpit if it was not for the blood. Are y'all with me this morning? Would not be a reason without the blood. And I tell you what, I don't care what the world says. I don't care what people, if they don't want to hear about the blood, I'm going to keep on singing about the blood. I'm going to keep on preaching about the blood. I'm going to keep on talking about the blood. I'm not compromising just so the world is not offended. The, the blood's all through the Bible. We have enough comfortable people sitting in churches today. And let me say that if the blood makes you uncomfortable, you know what that's called? Conviction. And, and conviction means that you're not living right or you're not doing what you're not saved. And we need some Holy Ghost conviction every now and then. We need people that, 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 are, not un, that are uncomfortable in their pews. I want you to be welcome in the church, but maybe not comfortable in the pew. When we talk about the blood, because if there was no blood, we would have nothing to preach about. We see here in Exodus chapter number 13, you know what's going on here, very familiar scripture, and uh, Egypt is awaiting the Passover of Jehovah through the land, and this is uh, one of the ten plagues, and we see it says the, about to kill the lamb, the male of the first year. The lamb is to be free of blemish, and take the blood and put it on the side doorpost, and then put it on the upper doorpost. You know, what was going on here? What, what, what was the purpose in this? Well... They were, they were sent, God sent these plagues to convince Pharaoh to release the Israelites. But Pharaoh was still refusing. So this was one of the plagues that, that, was, that was issued here. And if you did not do this, it would, it would, the Bible says right there when we read, it would smite your firstborn. So I, but, I, but I was reading this verse, reading this uh, passage of Scripture this past week, and, and it's amazing how you can read Scripture over and over again and you, and, and you see so many different things in it. And this, and this particular time I was reading, and I, and I have never really focused or meditated upon verse number 11. If you got your Bible, look at verse number 11. We're gonna, this is our text today, and this is what, uh, what is going on here. What, this is a preparation that had to be made. What was happening before the Passover, when this was going on, these are four commands that were given to do with the Lamb or to do for the Passover. But I believe we can take these four commands that we see here in this, in this verse number 11 and apply it to our lives today. I believe we can apply it to our lives because you know what? Jesus is coming back. He, he's on his way back. It's not going to be long till his father says, son, go and get my children. And I, and I believe here in verse number four, we can take these four commands and we can take these and apply them to us today because we better be ready. We better be saddled up and we better be ready to go. And we need to make preparation. So we've got, we got four things here, uh, the four preparations that it was telling them to make about the lamb. But I want to take them this morning and apply them to our life today. The first one says, have your loins girded. You see that? And thus you shall eat it with your loins girded. Now, uh, this was a process that those men did back then with their garments, and they wore something called a tunic. And it was uh, basically, I, I guess, kind of a gown, you would say, in a way. I don't, not a gown or a garment. It was a, 
You know, and then they had a place in there where they would wrap it and it would almost look like shorts. And that's what they were kind of getting ready for. They were uh, getting for, uh, getting ready for battle. And they would, you know, put it around their waist and they would, they would, they would gird up. It says, gird up your loins. And I, I can't agree with this scripture more in this first part here that God is telling us that God is telling you, each one of you, you better prepare for battle. You better be prepared this morning for battle. Uh, this morning, this day of age, the way things are going, the world is not getting any better. We know that. The, our economy is horrible. The, the morals are gone down the drain. All these things are happening. And I believe that God is telling you and telling me and telling Christians this morning, you better get ready for battle. You better be ready for it. And I can tell you as a young pastor today that it's frightening today to hear what's happening to our churches and happening to the, the men of God and, what the, and what's going on and what things we could face and, and what could happen to us. But we better be ready for battle. And you can go ahead and cower down if you want to, but I'm going to stand against the wiles of the devil. I'm not compromising Christ for anything. And you've got to be that same way. We cannot compromise Christ for anything. We're not selling Jesus to this world like I've said before. We're, we're presenting Jesus to him. We're showing them that we have a loving God. But we got to get our loins girded. we got to be ready for battle. We need, to ready, we need to be ready to stand and not stumble. We need to be prayed up and filled up with the power of God this morning. We don't have time. Listen, we do not have time for lazy and lukewarm Christians. Hello? We don't. We don't have time for that. God, we, we've got too much stuff to do. This world is going to pot. And we don't have time for lazy and lukewarm Christians. So we must prepare ourselves. We must gird up our loins for battle. The second part of this verse says, your shoes on your feet. Something so simple, your, feet, your shoes on your feet. Growing up, I never wore a pair of shoes. I did not like shoes. And I would play from sunup to sundown with no shoes on. And I guess that's where my children get it from. They come to, I don't know why they come in the church, they take their shoes off. They, they come in the, they never wear a pair of shoes, it's just the way they are. I was like that too, but you know, now I can't do that. As I get older, I, I could never go outside and walk on gravel now with no shoes on. My feet just hurt like crazy. But you know, the Bible, this is saying, your shoes must be on your feet. Now listen, what do we take from this? What do I take from this little portion right here? It says, Christians... We may have to walk somewhere we've never walked before. You, you may have to go somewhere you've never been before. You might have to stand for long periods of time for the Lord Jesus. But today as a soldier of Christ, we've got to have our battle shoes on. It's not time for flip-flops. It's time for your battle shoes. It's time for your work boots to be on. It's time for us to get ready. It's time for us to, to, to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. The sun is on his way. You know that old song, work for the night is coming. Work through the morning hours. Work for the dew is sparkling. Work midsummer springing flowers. Work when the day grows brighter. Work in the glowing sun. Work for the night is coming. Work, man's work is done. When, when man's work is done. The battle, we have a battle here. We are soldiers for Christ. We've got to be having our work boots on. You know what? You may have to go out and witness. Oh, you know what else? 
And it might not be on a Sunday at 11 o'clock. It, it might take you a little bit of sacrifice to, to go tell somebody about Jesus. To put you, may, maybe it won't fit into your schedule. Maybe you're too busy. It's going to take some sacrifice. It's going to take a little bit. You've got to put them work boots on. You're going to have to do something. Maybe it might take you buying somebody's meal. Maybe take you take some groceries over to somebody's house as an opportunity to witness to somebody. You better put your work boots on, church. We need to be telling people about Jesus Christ. We need to be letting them know. Satan will fight us. And, and we're going to face a lot of objection here on this earth. And, and living for Jesus ain't easy. That's why we got to have our work boots on. He's telling us there. The next thing, if you look here in the verse, it says, and your staff in your hand. And your staff in your hand. Now, to the shepherd, the staff was an essential tool. I should have brought one up here. I know we have some downstairs. And it was used to, to gather sheep that had gone astray from the flock. It was used to push, push the, sheep, the sheep along that lagged behind. You know, I think as a pastor, that's what we do a lot with our, with our hook. My, my Mondays are usually spent uh, being concerned, well, I wonder why such and such wasn't here today. And I wonder why somebody told me they were coming today, but, you know, they didn't come. And I guess it's just a pastor's heart. My father-in-law is the same way. And, and in my mind, I would sit, and this is probably, uh, some people don't know that, that, wouldn't realize that people do this, but in my mind at church when we were there at Southside together, and uh, every Sunday I would walk out the door and hand my father-in-law a list of who wasn't there. <laughs> but, I, but I, you know, we're concerned for people that aren't there. You know, you, you worry about them, wonder, wonder where they're at, and want them in the house of God. But, but I think this here is, is a little bit different when he's talking about with your staff in your hand. It's giving us a sense or an example of urgency of the return of Christ and the uncertainty of his death, of, his, of, his, of our death. It's, it's, it's telling us that there are lost people out there. There are people that need us to maybe take them and prod them along. That there are people that maybe need to be pulled in every now and then to the church and need to be drawn in. I, I was listening to a preacher talking about, you know, today we don't see as many souls walk the aisle as it used to be. And, and sometimes in churches, you'd see so many people walking down the aisle. This one evangelist, he was preaching, and he said, I know that we, we, there was a man that brought, or these people had brought 50 visitors to church with them. And, and, and we saw, like, almost all 50 of them walk the aisle and accept Christ. Isn't that wonderful? But, but you know what we've got to do, church? You know, you know what you've got to do and what I've got to do and what each one of us has the responsibility with our staff in our hand? We've got to bring the lost to church. We, we, we want to see the lost get saved, and people often judge the pastor or, or you know, say, well, he's not doing anything. We don't see nobody getting saved. Well, well, it's your responsibility, too. Hello. Just because I'm the pastor, it's not just my responsibility. It's my responsibility just as much as it is yours. But we need to be inviting the lost to church. We, we want to see the lost get saved. Do you want to see the lost get saved? Say amen. I mean, we want to see people walking down the aisle and coming to Christ. But we must take 
our staff, and we must be uh, bringing people to church. How many of you know somebody that's lost this morning? Raise your hand. Every single one of you. We all, you put your hands down. We all know that. Luke 14, 23 says what? Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that, that, that my house may be filled. There's a command here that's telling us we must take our staff and we must compel people. So we saw with our loins girded, we must be prepared for battle. Jesus is coming back. We've got to be prepared for battle. We've got to have our, our work boots on. We've got to have our staff in hand. And then the last part says here, And ye shall eat in haste. Haste means quickly. It means hurry. Take in, take in the nourishment that you need. Don't waste time. Don't linger. Don't wait. You know, sometimes I'll be here at the church and I, and I forget to eat. And, I'm, and, and that's, that's bad for me because I like to eat. But I'll, I'll be here reading or something and I'll not be uh, thinking. And I'll realize by the time I go home, 4 o'clock, 3, 30, 4 o'clock, I'm like starving. But, but eating, this is talking, this is, I'm not talking about a physical food. This morning, I'm talking about a spiritual food. It is necessary. Spiritual food is necessary. Feasting on the Word of God is necessary. You know what most of you do? I can guarantee you. If I, I'm, out, I'm, I'm not judging. I'm just telling you. I, I can guarantee if I could go around and ask each one of you, are you feasting on the Word of God? Or are you just nibbling on it? You know how when you cook supper and you nibble the whole time you're cooking, you know, you got to taste things to make sure it tastes, you know, to make sure it tastes good or whatever. But what's going on? You're just grazing. That's what a lot of Christians are doing today. And I bet that's what a lot of you are doing today. You know, maybe you just take a little piece of scripture, you know, read it on your way out the door with your coffee in your hand, you know, try to read, oh yeah, the Lord said, to, okay, and then run. You're not feasting on the Word of God. You're not meditating on the Word of God. You're not spending time with the Lord that you should spend time with Him. I, I heard somebody tell me, and it may have been somebody in, in here that was in the army that told me that the tall guys get to eat first and the short guys eat last. Was that somebody in here told me that? Was that you, Chris? Yeah, that was you. Said that the tall guys get to eat first and the short guys got. So me and Josh, we would have plenty of time to eat. And then some of you shorter people, Chris, you, well, sorry. You got a minute. But we, we need to spend more time feasting on the Word of God. But you've got to have a hunger. You've got to have a desire for it. John 6, 35 says, And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. 1 Peter 2, 2 says, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. It's time to feast, church. It is time to feast on the word of God. It is time to start. The urgency of Christ's return is at hand. Prophecy is fulfilling every day. And I'm thankful this morning. Let me tell you, I'm thankful this morning that when the devil sees us, he sees the blood. Aren't you? Aren't you thankful that when you made that commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ and you asked him into your heart and you asked him to save you, when he looks down on you, when the devil sees you, he sees the blood. And the blood covered it all. But the suffering of God's son, if it was not for the suffering of God's son, 
It would not be anything. Because of the blood, I will pass over you. But we're talking about this. It says, and thus you shall eat it with your loins girded. It's time for battle. The next thing, your shoes on your feet. Hey, Christians, you might have to go somewhere that's unfamiliar. You may have to do something that's not that, not that comfortable for you. Must have your staff in your hand. We must be daily compelling people to come into the house of God. And I believe we are. We're doing that. Look around you. Our church, we've got lots of people here. And we're compelling people to come in. We need to, keep, we need to compel the lost to get in. And to compel the lost to come to church. Take, do whatever it takes to get a lost person to come with you to church. I don't know what it's going to take. Maybe it takes you saying, I'll take you out to eat after church. Come to church with me. Whatever it is, compel them to come in. Use your staff. And the last things, eat in haste. We need to be feasting on the Word of God. I don't know how Christians get away with not feasting on the Word of God. I don't know how Christians uh, walk around anemic and weak all the time by just nibbling on the Word of God. Only, only opening the Bible on Sunday morning. Maybe, you know, getting it out of the car and bringing it in here is the only time that you opened it this week. Let me ask you this morning, are you ready? Are you ready for the Lord's return? Are you ready for this? Here's talking about the Passover, but are you, are you ready? Are, are you prepared for battle? Do you, do you have your work boots on? Are, are you trying your best to warn others? Are you trying to warn others? Are you feasting? Are you feasting on the Word of God? Four things this morning I want you to take with you. Important things. Listen, it won't be long till we get to leave this place. We get to set, set sail to heaven. We get to be there together. But these four things, I want you to take them and apply it to your life today. And ask yourself those four things. Am I prepared for battle? Do I have my work boots on? Am I trying to warn other people? And am I feasting on the Word of God? Now, this message today was geared towards the saved. But there may be someone in our midst today that's not been covered by the blood. We're praying this morning. There's people who could be here 30 years sitting on these church pews that may not be covered by the blood, that may not have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Come today. But maybe there's some of you today, and in just a minute when we do the invitation, maybe there's some of you today that aren't prepared. Maybe some aspects you are, but some aspects you aren't. Are you prepared for battle? Are you prayed up? Are you, are you ready? Do you have your work boots on? Are you out trying and, and warning other people? Are you just concerned about yourself and concerned about your family and not about others? And are you feasting on the Word of God? Christians, we need the sincere milk of the Word of God. We need this Bible to carry us through, to make us strong. We need it. Let's all stand. Every head bowed and every eye closed.